Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I wish we lived in a world where the government didn't limit when you can pray or where you can pray. Man, I wish we lived in a world where you could open up the Bible in a classroom or you can open up the Bible at work and you didn't have to worry, is this going to affect my grade? Is my professor going to dock me because of my faith? Is this going to impact my job performance or a promotion? I wish we lived in that kind of world, but unfortunately we don't. I I wish we lived in a world where the only state-sponsored religion was something other than atheism. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Listen, y'all, it doesn't matter where you live on the planet, there is a degree of pressure or persecution from people of faith all over the planet, and unfortunately, the world that we live in, there is pressure. Sometimes there is persecution. It can get painful in some places just to follow Jesus. Listen, y'all, I wish we lived in a world where the Atlanta Falcons won the Super Bowl, but obviously that world doesn't exist either. And what I'm saying today is right here on the screens, we live in a world where Christians have to have one leg in two cities at the same time. Now, if you're new to Two Cities Church This name, Two Cities, doesn't refer to a church in a community that is on two sides of a river. It actually refers to two different cities on two different sides of reality. There is an eternal city in heaven. It's the heavenly city that all Christians belong to. It's your ultimate destiny. But we also live in this earthly city. I call it the city of here. And as believers, we have to have one foot in both cities at the same time, which means you can't live entirely in one city. Look up here and follow Jesus at the same time. There are Christian monks, modern day Christian monks, who isolate themselves from this painful world that we live in because they don't want anything to do with it anymore. And you're gonna hear from Jesus today that that's not an option for his people. There are some people, they call themselves followers of Jesus, but they live so much like their neighbors, so much like people that are far from Jesus, that there's no indication whatsoever that anything in their lives have changed. There are people that live entirely in this city and feel like there's absolutely nothing heavenly about them. Then there are people that feel like they're living entirely in the heavenly city and they've totally disconnected from the city of here. And the name Two Cities says, whether we like it or not, we believe Jesus has called us to live in these two cities until the heavenly city becomes the here city, until we enter into eternity, until we spend the rest of our eternity in his presence in the perfect city. But that city doesn't exist right now. And what Jesus is doing today is preparing his followers Now, he gives them the bad news first. 
I'm going to do something a little bit different for you today. I'm going to give you the good news along with the bad news. But what Jesus is doing today is preparing his followers for his departure. The theologians refer to this passage today as his farewell discourse. Hey guys, I'm getting ready to leave and I don't want you to be unprepared. So I'm going to give you some uh, promises about the future. Some of these promises you're not going to like. Some of these promises I need you to hang on to no matter how difficult, no matter how painful it gets. And if you're going through a hard time right now, Jesus' words will speak directly to you. For all people who follow Jesus all over the planet, there's a degree of pressure. There's a degree of persecution. There, it may even get very painful. And for some, they know that by surrendering their soul to Jesus, this is probably going to cost me my family or my life. But that's what Jesus is calling me to. So we're going to open up John chapter 15 in just a second, and I'm going to introduce you to some promises that Jesus is going to make to us today. And here's the first promise. The world is going to hate you. Literally, he uses the word hate. But the promise that Jesus is making is that my father loves you, that I love you. He's promising us love in the midst of hatred, and somebody really needs to say amen. Amen. Because Preparing his people for his departure is what's on Jesus' heart right now. And he knows some of these brothers and sisters that are hearing this today have left everything to follow me. They left their families and they left their farms and they left their livelihood and their future. They put it all on the line to follow me. And when Jesus has this discussion with them today, I'm convinced he's looking them in the eyes and they're crushed by the words that he, they're hearing from him. And he gives them some promises in the midst of pain and pressure in the future. Here's what Jesus says to them. If the world, notice the word if, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Like, it's because of me that they hate you. That's what Jesus is saying here right out of the gate. If you were of the world, say of the world out loud. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, the world hates you. This is without avoiding it. Two cities right here on the screen. You're still in this world, but you're not of this world. And if you were of this world, you wouldn't have to go through what I'm telling you today you're going to have to go through. But because you ultimately don't belong here, you belong to another world, it's going to get painful for you in this world. That's the promise that Jesus is making to his people today. He's promising them, hey guys, This is about to get really painful for you. It's about to be painful for me. It's going to become painful for you too. And I don't want you to think that there's anything wrong between you and God if your neighbor or your boss or your professor hates you because of your faith. Do you see what's happening today? Jesus is getting very real with his followers And this is what following Jesus is like, IRL, in the real world. You see, it's one thing to say, I believe in Jesus. Air quotes for the word believe, meaning 
He's no different to me than some other guy or gal that I read about in a history book. I really do believe that there really was a guy by the name of Jesus, but he doesn't make any difference in my life. That's not the group that he's talking about today. And then there's this moment where people turn from believing in Jesus to start to trust in Jesus. And I think for most of us, if you're like me, trusting in Jesus started off like a transaction. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do things for you, but I need you to do some things for me. I need you to make my life better. I need you to answer my prayers. I need you to give me some good things because I'm following you. And when you've been following Jesus long enough, you can't escape what he's asking of his people. This is the moment where following Jesus gets real and it gets painful because this is the moment where he says, no, I need you to die to yourself. And anyone who's not willing to die to themselves will not really find your life. But if you're willing to forsake your life, then you'll find it and you'll find it to the full or then you'll find it to in abundance. And this is the moment where that reality comes crashing in on Jesus's followers because he says, I'm calling you to follow me. And I know that it's going to be painful. I'm warning you up front that it's going to become painful. And it just got real for those Jewish fishermen, for those farmers For that tax collector who left his tax booth, they left their fishing nets, they left their father's land to go follow them, and they believed this was the conquering king of Israel. He's going to drive out the Romans, he's going to take over the throne of David, he's going to rule, and I'm going to be by his side, which means I've got it made in the future. And now what they're hearing is, wait a second, Jesus, you're saying that you're about to suffer? I don't like the idea of that, but I really don't like The idea that I'm going to have to suffer too. I thought I had it made after following Jesus. Anybody in this room take that first step of faith and think, after I surrender to Jesus, everything is going to go easy. It's all going to be great after that. Ever happen to anybody in this room? And then it gets really, really hard after that. And you're thinking, did I do something wrong? God, are you mad at me? Do you not know what I'm going through? Because I just put it all on the line to follow you. And it didn't get better. It just got worse. And Jesus is making a promise. Listen, the world around you is going to hate you. And you're going to be tempted to think that I'm mad at you. Because the people next to you hate you. But I need you to remember that I still love you even in the midst of persecution. And I still love you in the midst of hatred and the world hated me too. And I think what he's asking me to do, he's, he's challenging you to do, is I need you to hang on to that cross. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, his father wasn't mad at him and the father in heaven didn't forget about him. It was the moment where God placed on his son my sin so that you and I could be forgiven. And God loves the son and raised the son up again. And he loves you just like he loves his son. And he will raise you up again. You just need to know that there's some bad news before the good news. And the bad news is the world is going to hate you. The good news is that the Father loves you in the midst of hatred. 
And it's going to not just get, uh, you're not just going to be hated, but the world is going to get hostile. And you may have to suffer physically. It may even cost you your life, but I need you to understand that there is safety even in the midst of hostility, that even if it gets painful and it costs you your life, there is a reward waiting that makes it all worthwhile. So now listen to Jesus preparing you and preparing me for the cost of discipleship, for laying down your life so that you really can find eternal life, so that you really do find life in abundance. John chapter 15, starting in verse 20. Remember the word that I spoke to you? And literally what he's saying is, when it gets painful, keep reminding yourself of what I'm saying to you. Remember the word that I spoke to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these things on, to you on account of my name because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. I'm going to pause for just a second. What Jesus is saying is if you're listening to this broadcast right now and you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart and you know today is the day I need to nail this one down. I need to surrender my soul. And you walk away and you ignore him. That sin will be the thing that causes you to suffer for eternity. It's ignoring what you just saw, ignoring what you just heard. And Jesus is saying, they saw me, they heard me, and they turned their back and they ignored me, and that sin is going to cost them everything. Now they have no excuse for their sin. For the one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, then they wouldn't be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. Jesus is saying, I did nothing wrong, but the world around me hates me for it. And he is reminding them, hey, listen, I need you to prepare yourself for what the future is going to bring. This is unashamedly a discussion about persecution and about suffering. He starts off with the word, if this happens to me, it's going to happen to you. I need you to put yourself in the place of those followers of Jesus after the cross. And they start to say, wait a second. He said what they did to him, they're going to do to me too. And somehow all of those followers of Jesus, something snapped inside of them. And after his resurrection, after the Holy Spirit was poured out on them at Pentecost, every single one of them were willing to go to the ends of the earth to tell people about him. And every one of them knew, this is probably going to cost me my life. But that's what I'm signed up for. That's what I expect to give. And Jesus is using some challenging verb tense here. I wish it didn't say it this way. But he's using past tense verb. They hated me, past tense. 
It's actually the past perfect tense, which means they continue to hate me. They don't stop hating me. And it's the same verb tense that he uses when he talks to us and says, they're going to treat you just like they treated me. They're going to hate you and they're going to keep on hating you. And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, they're going to hate you on my account. You are going to suffer. And there's no way, unfortunately, to live in these two cities at the same time and not suffer. Not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in India with a group of seminary students. We had a chance to bounce from city to city and from church to church. And if you don't know it, the Christian church is persecuted and they are suffering. And some of them are becoming martyrs. They're giving their life for the faith in India, perhaps more there than anywhere around the world. We had a chance to go and to sit with pastors who have suffered greatly. Their families have suffered, who did nothing wrong, but love Jesus follow Jesus, and want to tell other people about Jesus. In one of the sites that we visited, there was a group of orphans that are being raised in an orphanage and preparing them to go out and to share their faith. They put on a little um, program for us that night, and the girls put on this Christian music, and they danced to it, and the boys came together, and they put on a skit. Here's a picture of this drama that they put on. And it blew me away, these teenage boys who were being prepared for ministry, who did this drama on their own. And the drama was about a boy in white who becomes a pastor and goes out to start serving in his neighborhood and start to do some good in his neighborhood. And the neighbors that he's serving, they turn their back on him. In this drama, they beat him. And the pastor gets up. And he continues to serve his neighborhood. And they beat him and his family. And the pastor gets up to serve his neighborhood. And in this drama, these teenage boys, they grasp it from the time that they were teenagers. At the end of this drama, the neighbors killed the pastor. Because he stood before them and declared that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And it just struck me like a ton of bricks that these students, these teenagers, understand the cost of following Jesus, perhaps better than some people who have been following him for 50 or 60 years, because they understand this is what it means to lay down your life. This is what it means to place it all on the line and to say, Jesus, I am trusting you with everything, which means from this point forward, you have control over all of it. Jesus, from this moment forward, you are the king and I am your servant and you can do with your servant whatever you want to do. Jesus is preparing his people today for the persecution that might come tomorrow. And can I just be honest with us for a second? When I read this passage from the Bible, it is inescapable what he's saying to us. If they hated you or if they hated me, they will hate you. If I had to suffer, you will have to suffer also. And when I read a passage like this, I start to ask myself the question, Jesus, if I'm not suffering, does that mean that there's something wrong with me? 
If I'm not suffering right now today, does that mean that there's something wrong with my faith? If I'm not having to suffer for what I believe, does that mean that there's something wrong with my fruit? Because you made it abundantly clear. If I suffered, you will suffer too. And if you live in a part of the world where you don't have to suffer because of your faith, you need to bow your knee tonight and you need to thank God. But you also need to remember the brothers and sisters that are placing it all on the line, literally to include their life and are saying, whatever it costs me, I'm giving it up. That was the deal when I first bowed my knee and followed Jesus. And it sounds to me from Jesus today, like suffering's not an option. It's going to happen to all of us. Some of you are going to experience a little bit of difficulty. Some of you are going to experience very real danger. And for a few of you out there, your faith is going to lead to your death. But it's going to cost everybody something to follow Jesus. Don't throw your hands up. Don't get discouraged. Don't start to be tempted to believe that God is mad at you and he doesn't love you. Because there is love in the midst of hatred. There is safety, even peace in the midst of persecution. And y'all, I need you to finally hear from Jesus. There is help in the midst of challenges. Listen, you and I are not supposed to go through the pressures of this world on our own. I need you around me when I'm struggling. And you need other brothers and sisters around you to lift you up and to help you when you're struggling. But our ultimate help, is supernatural. It's not the guy or the gal next to you. It's them and the counselor, the spirit of the living God. Listen to how Jesus ends this passage today. When the counselor comes, notice the word is capital C. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. Notice the word spirit is capitalized too. This is Jesus' reference to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify. Say the word testify out loud. He will testify about me. And you also will testify. Say it one more time. Testify. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is saying, it's not an option to sit on your faith because you know that by telling somebody else about your faith, it may cost you a little bit. That's not an option for his people. We live in two cities at the same time and it may get a little bit painful. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you a helper. That word counselor can be translated helper. It's actually the word that you and I would use for therapists. I want you to think about the mental health tsunami that swept across the world as a result of the COVID pandemic. And people started to realize when it got really painful around you, it started to get difficult inside of you. And now I need somebody to help me deal with what's going on inside of me because of what's happening outside of me. Well, Jesus says it's going to get really painful outside of you. But I need you to know that you're not going through this alone. I'm sending you a therapist, a counselor, a helper who will be with you, listen to this, in the darkest nights at three o'clock in the morning. 
He will be with you when it feels like everybody else has turned their back on you. He will be with you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death because you don't have to do it alone. He is with you. He is your comforter. He is the one who gives you peace in the midst of persecution. And Jesus makes a startling statement on the screens. In fact, the best way to do this is to show you this statement that Jesus makes. The word that he uses for testify here is actually the Greek word that we translate martyr. You will be my martyrs when you go out and tell other people about me. And Jesus is making it very clear right out of the gate. Hey guys, this is going to hurt. Hey, for some of you, this is going to cost you everything, including your life. But if you will lay down your life, I will give you abundant life, eternal life, life without end. If you are willing to make that kind of sacrifice. I was thinking about this passage and I was thinking about some of the times that I've gone through the greatest pressure, the greatest difficulties. Some of my most challenging moments were in the United States Army serving as a ranger. And I remember thinking every single time that it got hard, there was somebody right next to me who was suffering and going through it right next to me, right along with me. They were there to help me and I was there to help them, and we didn't have to go through it alone. Probably one of the most challenging moments of my career in the Army, physically, was on a mission in the Republic of Panama. We were on one side of the river, and we were doing, in this small reconnaissance team, a reconnaissance mission for a ranger battalion. And in the process, we got surrounded by bad guys, and there was no way out without being captured, and not only captured, but placing that entire ranger battalion in jeopardy of being compromised, and the mission would become very, very difficult, if not very deadly for a lot of rangers. There was only one option, and it was to take all of our equipment and swim across the Chagaris River. Now, let me explain to you the Chagaris River for just a second. You see that little white dot in the middle of the screen? That's a boat on the Chagaris River in Panama. The Chagaris is shark-infested waters. But it's not just shark-infested. It's one of the only rivers on Earth that actually flows in two different directions at the same time. Because it's part of the Panama Canal, the river flows northeast into the Atlantic Ocean, and the currents of the river also pull south towards the Pacific Ocean at the same time. Get this in your mind. I'm being surrounded and closed in by bad guys, and me and one other guy from my team, we know that the only hope of escape is to get all of our equipment and to swim across that river, get all of my combat load, except I'm also the team radio operator, which means I've got 80 pounds of satellite equipment that I need to swim across that river. And Jim Vineyard and I jump in the water late at night and start to swim across that river. Vineyard is barely hanging on but I'm going down. And no matter what I do, no matter how strong I, listen y'all, I can swim really, really well, 
but the currents of that water are pulling me down and I'm about to die. When Jim Vineyard grabs me and pulls me with all of his might just to keep my head above water and I am swimming with everything that I've got fighting against the current to make it to the other side. When I finally get to the other side of that river, when we're completely exhausted and laying on the shores of that river, I have just enough energy left to call the rest of this small reconnaissance team and tell them, whatever you do, don't cross that river tonight. You will certainly die in that river. You're almost better off with the enemy than you are with that river. And I wouldn't be standing before you today if there wasn't a ranger by my side in that water when I was hanging on for dear life. The analogy that Jesus is using today is you're a, you've fallen off the side of a ship and you're in water over your head and you're starting to sink and I'm gonna throw you a life preserver. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you will reach out and you will hang on to that life preserver, he will save you. He will protect you. He will be with you in the midst of that water. And Jesus is saying, there are others. I'm going to throw them the life preserver. And they're going to look at it. And they're going to ignore it. And they're going to go to their death because of it. And that is completely on them because they turned their backs and they heard and they saw the message and they decided, I don't want it, I don't need it. But for you, when it gets difficult, I need you to remember there's love in the midst of hatred and God isn't mad at you just because you're suffering right now. I need you to remember that you can even find peace in the midst of persecution, that there's safety in the midst of hostility. And more than anything else, I need you to remember this, that you're not alone, that somebody goes with you into those dangerous waters. And when you're in over your head, all you got to do is reach out and hang on to the helper. He's always with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And for some of us in this room, you're hanging on this bottom of the screen represents you. You're hanging on for dear life today. And I'm going to pray for you. Your brothers and sisters are going to pray for you. They're even going to come alongside you if you'll let us know that you're struggling, if you'll let us know that you need some help. But for others of you today, don't hear the message of Jesus and walk away saying, hey, I'm good, or hey, I have more time. I'll take care of this later. That decision may cost you your eternity. Maybe somebody needs to experience the hope of the gospel and to be radically changed for the first time. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.